Welcome to the Too Much Test Podcast. I'm Tester Levels. I'm here with Sam Stolt and David DiMasquita. Uh, we're super excited to have this, but before we start, this is not medical advice in any way. None of us are doctors. This is for entertainment purposes only. Is that clear? Yes. <laughs> we're good? All right. How are so, you guys doing? Awesome. How are you guys doing today? I'm looking forward to this. I thought we could talk about uh, some nutrition stuff. I'm for sure both of you guys have some good uh, inputs on that. Absolutely. So like back when I first started learning about your macros and whatnot, I did that typical, you know, chicken and broccoli. And I would eat that every single day while I was cutting uh, back five, six, seven years ago or something. And my digestion got so incredibly bad, which like I would, you know, there'd be it just incredibly. I have a picture I'll pull up here. Hopefully you guys can see that. This I got very shredded on the outside, but I was not good on the inside. Like I was bloated all the time. And that's what kind of like was the starting point to me finally figuring out the micronutrient side of things. You guys both talk to lots of people. And I think that's one area that's completely neglected or there's definitely not enough people talking about it. What do you guys like? I, I have my own approach to that, but what are your thoughts on, on these things, on the micronutrition sand side? I think that's a fantastic, some fantastic natty genetics right there. That's pretty solid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure David got, uh, David, David's pretty big on the nutrition aspect, so I'd love to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah, so it's really interesting. So kind of my background in nutrition actually started from gut issues as well. So I started in kind of like the eat big, I was 135 pounds when I started 10 years ago. So I was like the eat big, train big method. I got up to 215 pounds. Uh, like that, that was a hundred percent natural. Like I didn't touch anything like for years. And, um, like, so we just went to the gym and crushed it. So we just stuck with like eat big, get big. The next thing you know, you start like having heart murmurs because you're putting so much sodium into your body and sodium loading on all this BS because you have like a meal plan at college and you're eating all the sodium in the world. So the kind of my step into that, that actual gut realm and the micronutrient realm, my first step was macronutrients, which is actually a macronutrient guide from Lane Norton. Funny enough, um, it was on simplyshredded.com and it was how to cut down for a competition. Still to this day, it's one of the best like guides for macronutrients and it's like a 10 minute read if that. And so I taught myself macronutrients in like 10 minutes. Eventually you start playing around with it. Then when it came to the gut realm, I actually had a little Caesar's pizza and it ended up giving me a bacterial infection in my gut, but it was misdiagnosed yeah. with food poisoning. So they pumped me full of solution with the, uh, on saline solution and kind of flushed my system. I was good for a year. And then no joke, like almost a year to the day later, I had little Caesar's pizza again for the first time and immediately put me back in the hospital. And basically what happened is that bacterial infection destroyed my gut. I ended up having like leaky gut. I developed over time, leaky gut, SIBO. Um, I have IBSC actually. So I have about every gut issue that you can think of. Um, right now I'm healing. We were just talking my hernia up. So I have GERD, but I've been treating my GERD using things to keep my actually stomach acid levels up. So I have treated basically all my gut symptoms and a lot of it is micronutrients. So you're talking about broccoli. Broccoli is one vegetable in particular. Most people with IBS can literally not tolerate. I have found huh. one person in the history of my six years of coaching people. Dave, Dave, yeah. uh, for people who don't know, what's IBS? 
IBS is irritable bowel syndrome. Um, it's like the most commonly diagnosed thing ever. And it's just like when a doctor doesn't know what to do with your gut, they're like, oh, you have IBS. It's like everyone can have IBS. If you have diarrhea, you can have IBS. If you have, but there are last week. Uh-huh. IBS last week. Exactly. Right. The Pepto came in hand. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what, like when I, so when this happened to me and I would go, I, I looked great, but then I was bloated. Uh, I was like, I would fart and literally the, I worked in an office by myself, the next office, which was like the wall over, but there was no like ventilation. It was like my own office with walls and everything and the ceiling. They could smell how bad it was. Yeah. And that's when I started understanding micronutrients to like today I use, I like to have five different types of vegetables with every meal and five different types of spices and herbs because, and, and that variety I change on a weekly basis or like I, I meal prep for one to three days at a time. So one to three days, I'll have very similar five vegetables and five slices of herbs. But then when I re, re meal prep, I'll use different or at least some of the vegetables will be different and some of the spices and herbs will be different because the that i don't know uh, not like uh, ibs but i feel like that's such a tremendous thing today one thing i did want to mention real quick uh, is just like our links to all our instagram social media they're going to be below somewhere we all have link trees so you can see all the different stuff that we use just want to throw on the corporate BS right there so people can find us on Instagram, YouTube, all the places on social. I'll put that up on screen as well. But you guys keep on going. You guys know this stuff a lot better than me. I just, I'm the guy that's eating the Little Caesars pizza. So, yeah. So, so, so what Sam's talking about is actually really interesting. And it's a micronutrient piece that people actually don't realize what's going on. So, diversity is great for guts. Uh, when you have severe gut issues, you usually have to have a very, very limited palate. Like a doctor will put you on a low FODMAP diet. It's not always needed. Sometimes it is, but um, you actually want to have low, medium, and high FODMAP foods that come into play. Well, what is FODMAP? FODMAP are essentially things that are like easily palatable to harder to palate foods. So, for instance, high histamines, uh, which is like an avocado or a tomato, tends to be more on the high FODMAP, FODMAP scale, whereas like a rice or a simple grain would just yeah. fall into the um, low FODMAP. And then you have medium, which is just in the medium. So um, when you have people have SIBO, they tend to put you on a low FODMAP diet, which is usually the right choice to do. But people forget that you have to add that diversity back in. One reason why that diversity is so important, it's kind of like the old school method. Like you should have a cheat meal like once a week or something like that just to throw off your gut. You don't need to eat like a greasy burger or greasy pizza to do that. You can just eat different foods. So what you're talking about mixing the spices up, it's very, very intelligent to do. Why? Because you're not pounding away at the same enzymes on the body over and over. It has to do with the enzymes. So um, that's why it's so smart. And then on top of it, what I've noticed, you're talking about vegetables, proteins, mixing up my protein yes. intake has... I uh, digest it so much better and the gains are like ridiculous. I don't have digestive issues. The nutrient partitioning is better because that it has to do with the enzymes. So, so I've been doing that for probably about two years now where I try, I will mix up the, the, the vegetables have been for quite a while, but the, the protein sources as well, because I was eating just chicken seven days a week. And then you're def- from a micronutrient standpoint, you're just deficient in what beef or fit, different types of fish or all these other meats and protein sources have. And I try to do that at least have two different sources per day. So it doesn't always work out. But that's like, how do you, how do you structure yours? Like for the protein sources? 
So if I actually want to cook all my meats, um, what the best progress I've ever made, I went from actually, it was post-show, I was 182 pounds. I wasn't like shredded to the bone like I was the last two preps, um, but I was lean, very, very lean. I was on stage and got second place, so I was lean. Um, and what I did was actually coming out of it, I was still having my IBS issues, but the all the protein sources changed. So I had like weight isolate for two different meals because it's super easy to digest and fast to digest. Without being like my pre and my post uh, would have something that was very, very easy to digest. And it was a white isolate. And then I would do a... Um, in the morning, I would do usually a chicken or no, a ground turkey. I stayed away from chicken for actually almost two years because it was easier to digest. And it's easier to digest. Reason being is you don't have to chew as much. So chewing is the first issue with the digestive system that people don't take enough time of because the saliva helps to break it down. And it's very overrated uh, or underrated is the mouth. Then the second thing was I did fish and then I did a beef. So there was actually four different pallets of protein in that time. And it went from 182 pounds to 235 pounds with actually very minimal fat gain. And it was crazy. Um, so and I'm going to be doing this process again where like once this hernia is healed up and I don't have the stomach issues, I'm going to be going back into that process where I really try to push 240, 245 pounds. My walk around weight's like 220, 225 right now. But when you're pushing, the most important thing to watch is that digestive system. You know what's real interesting about, about what you guys are saying that you're eating all different types of stuff is that would mimic very closely to how we lived before we had grocery stores. You wouldn't just come across chickens in the woods all the time. You come across a pig, you catch a salmon. You know, if you're hiking through the woods or foraging, you may find some blueberries, you may find a squash laying around, some tomatoes. So it makes sense to, you know, all those different foods give you different things, but you guys are like breaking it down to a science to where you're trying to mimic that, but, but getting stuff from the grocery store. That's pretty cool. You're 100% right. And through your gut, like with the different like protein sources, but also, in, and also carb sources too, right? Like and it's across the board. It's not just a one, and you don't just have rice every day, right? It's switching that up. Um, ends up like you were saying with your gut you build the and i don't i don't you're probably more aware on like the enzymatic processes that happen but it helps basically create those uh, or like make your body able to like if you're leveling up in a video game you can handle like the smaller shittier players right and as you get higher and higher levels you can level up to like bigger and bigger bad guys right and the same thing happens in our gut for a lack of a better way to analogize that. Yeah. So um, when I have a client, for instance, that I'm coaching and I know that they have some type of gut issue, first of all, I treat it from the upper gut and I go down. Everyone talks about probiotics and the lower intestines and stuff like that. I'm like, you have to look at like what is happening, right? Your filter is your liver. So if your liver is not working, that's where your hormones are produced. So you have to look at the whole nutrient partitioning process of you have to break down those foods, the, especially the proteins, to get it to aminos, and then the aminos start to repair your body. Well, once you optimize this process where things are flowing out or absorbing properly, then guess what? You increase your protein synthesis, and people are going to go to the point where, oh, I'm taking testosterone to increase my protein synthesis. Well, why are you increasing your protein synthesis if you can do it naturally before even looking to any type of drug? Because if you're trying to increase your protein synthesis and you're not optimized to begin with, then you're doing it kind of ass backwards. So 
like a few months ago, I had an IBS attack. Um, COVID actually triggered it. And I had to basically take a step back, re reanalyze the gut and redo it because why, why would I throw anything at my body to try to increase protein synthesis? If I literally am only eating like 2000 calories a day and I'm just bloated because I'm completely backed up. Um, what is an, what is an IBS attack? Like explosive uh, diarrhea? Yeah. So for me, for my, so I have IBS constipation, right? C type. And for me, what happens is I get severe runs. So I actually thought that I was having severe allergies and an IBS attack or just from stress, right? Like I just thought I was having the runs for like a week. What ended up happening was then it goes to the backup stage and you just can't break down nutrients the same. And it feels like you get slowly, slowly backed up. One time I was so backed up, I almost ruptured my appendix. I went to the doctor and he's like, yeah, you see all this? This is all fecal matter. There was like one little bit of space on the x-ray that you could see like where there, were, where there was a gap. And he's like, if you feel a rush of like heat in your body and a toxin rush, then your appendix ruptured and you have to go to the hospital. So luckily um, they gave me like a muscle, a gut muscle relaxant that by the way, it made me high as balls. I don't know why I didn't know, I didn't know the side effect. I like literally took it. And I went to the gym. Right. And I was like, Oh, it's like maybe some pre-workout and this will get things moving. Well, it definitely did. But I was like super uncomfortably high when I went and, uh, take that before the next show. Bro, I took it the next time and I was perfectly fine. It was just the first time I used it. I was like super high. I was like, wow, I am uncomfortably high right now. And I don't, I wasn't, I didn't smoke or anything like that back then either. Like I hardly ever smoke. Um, and like, I don't like the high feeling. So I was at the gym. I'm like, whoa, I was like, this is too much right now, but I got things moving. And that was the last time I had like a severe IBS attack, but then I had a remission for probably five, six years. And then this happened again. And I was having trouble eating food. Uh, you end up getting GERD um, because you get so backed up that you start getting acid reflux. If it can't go down, it has to go somewhere. So it starts coming up and down and up and down. Yeah. And then eventually it starts to go down. So, but you can do things like anti-inflammatories and digestive enzymes and all that stuff. And it only helps so much. You really have to put it back into remission again to get things moving. So you want to move it out of the body. Um, you want to heal the gut you want to take probiotics as long as you don't develop SIBO, like it didn't take too long. Um, then you can do some uh, medical grade probiotics. You can refresh that microbiome. Um, and when I was doing, I was like super loading my probiotics. Actually I was taking uh, 500 billion a day and I got super back up for like three days and it passed. And I felt like my head was actually going to explode because it's essentially like the leaky gut because all the toxins start recirculating through the body and re oh, wow. yeah. So people forget that like leaky gut and stuff like that it like affects your brain so badly like a, a lot of people have clinical depression just from gut issues and it doesn't just have to do the hormone side effects definitely come in but um you're basically like having toxins just backing up in your body but felt like my head was about to explode and then all of a sudden like the night when it got like so severe I woke up and everything just dumped out. And then once it dumped, I was like refreshing the gut with probiotics at that point. I backed off the Do, probiotics. And doesn't that uh, doesn't that happen with when people have uh, impaired liver, like their liver enzymes are way off and fucked up. It, your liver processes not only like every, everything we're eating, but you can actually have like recirculation of, of estrogen and things like that. And estrogen levels can go up when your liver enzymes are messed up. So now this is a really interesting topic because I, <laughs> liver is something I would love to talk about, but liver is where your hormones are produced, right? But people also forget that 50% of your estrogen is broken down by the liver and excreted out. So 
it doesn't just have to do with the breakdown of the estrogen, right? But the breakdown of the estrogen, and then you have to excrete it out of the body. So if you can't excrete it out of the body, then the estrogen actually recirculates. So women that are like estrogen dominant and stuff like that, a lot of it can be because they're just not excreting it out of their body. Maybe they have some type of gut displacement or they, they're not passing it through the colon, whatever it may be. They're reuptaking that estrogen in the body and they're having massive, massive estrogenic issues. And I'm going to take it one step further with, to a contradicting subject, which is aromatizer inhibitors. A lot of people that are on testosterone replacement therapy, for instance, they're going to be given Arimidex. I think Arimidex, in my opinion, I don't want to say it's a trash drug, but in my opinion, it's a trash drug because of the issue on the, with the lipid profiles that you get from it. And they just keep throwing Arimidex at you. And like, they don't even talk about Novidex or Romacin. And I think it has to do with how much money is involved potentially with that drug. I don't know hundred percent, but I would assume that's part of it. Or maybe it's just easier to throw a longer ester drug at someone than actually. Yeah, I, think, I think part of it has to do with a little bit of like ignorance or, or just not like there's a lot of people who get prescribed things that you guys probably both have seen and you're like i'm not sure what this doctor is doing maybe they have information that i don't have but you 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 see these like it's like the cookie cutter diet plan to get somebody shredded right it's like hey this is what you should do and but instead of a cookie cutter diet plan for come from a coach or a fitness person it's like a cookie cutter hrt yeah. program it's not, in my opinion, it's not necessarily super thought out for that individual based upon what they're experiencing and their blood work. And you're like, what do you do? A lot of times do? doctors don't even know what they're prescribing. I, I saw a guy on Instagram today. He just started TRT. His doctor had him on a milligram of Rivadex, not per week, per day. And yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I wrote to him. I was like, bro, you're on the same protocol as women with breast cancer that are trying to crush their fucking estrogen levels. And he's like, I only did it for four days, and now I just messaged you. And I was like, he's like, I felt, I felt super sleepy, super lethargic. His joints are hurting. He said his skin is even dry. That's in like four days. And I'm like, dude, you crush your estrogen. And this is from a doctor. But you know what they say? I mean, everyone finishes at the bottom of their class. So there's always someone. So, you know, so, what do you, so what what do you do for people with liver issues? Because that one of the first thing that the first thing that I do or have anybody show me this. But, but I'm curious to learn what, what your thoughts are. Like, what would, what did, hey, my liver enzymes are fucked up. You got to die. You got to figure out the problem like that's causing that, right? But then also you got to fix the liver. Yeah. So um, it's not always directly liver related, right? So it could be digestion related where you're just not breaking stuff down. It's putting extra pressure on the liver, whatever it may be. Um, it could be potentially that you have some type of cirrhosis or fatty liver. Doctors love th throwing out the terminology fatty liver. So like if I see liver enzymes off, I was like, the doctor's going to tell you a fatty liver like 90% of the time. Um, and it's not technically fat. There, it's on paperwork, it's fatty liver, but it's not. Um, it just has to do with bile ducts. Like the bile is having issues getting in there to break stuff down. Um, so if you want to talk about artificial liver bile, Tudka, Tudka is really underrated. Um, there are, I mean, you have DIM, you have, um, I'm going to butcher this one. It's calcium deglycerate, I think. De yeah, deglutarate. Um, and what essentially that does is it helps to actually excrete out that extra estrogen. So you're basically talking about pathwaying the estrogen to excrete it out of the body, whether you want good estrogen, DIM helps with, um, and then the uh, calcium deglutarate um, helps to get it out of, and that's 16O, and then uh, 2OH is the DIM, uh, which is good estrogen pathways. So you're talking about pathwaying the estrogen because estrogen is phenomenal, first of all, for us, for muscle growth, for libido, but you don't want to have it super high because then what you end up seeing is 
fat around the waistline area. If you get a male that has fat around the waistline area and you just can't get rid of it, yeah, exactly. That's probably the little Caesars. <laughs> so, so, but if you have issues with that, then it may potentially be like, all right, let's run some lab work. And then if their estrogen levels come back like close to 100, right? Well, and they're not taking any AIs or any Novodex or any Aromasin. Maybe you t do something harder like a Remedex or an Aromasin for like two to three days just to knock it really fast. And then you switch over to something more mild like a Novodex. Or you just, because when it's that high, you really want to knock it and get it down. Once it's when the end level, then you do natural remedies and try to keep it in check. And the doctors don't know the natural realm. They don't have the time to learn it. They have nothing to do with, I don't think that they don't care about it. They just don't learn it in school and they don't have the time to learn it. I mean, they're- and they don't get paid for either. Wow. Yeah, they're getting patients in and out the door. Functional doctors, on the other hand, they'll throw a million multivitamins at you and they'll charge you a thousand dollars and let you walk out the door. They made more than the actual doctor did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I literally have a video that's in Premiere Pro that I'm editing later tonight on our AIs overprescribed. And I think it's 100%. I mean, it's just, I think a lot of it with a lot of doctors and even TRT clinics is that guys think that when they get on TRT, it's like this God tier feeling. They're never supposed to feel tired. They're always supposed to be able to get it up. Morning wood is consistent seven days a week. And, you know, Brain fog, totally clear, anxiety gone. They just feel like gods. But when they start taking TRT and they're, you know, some of those, or it's just not what they expected, I think a lot of them are like, well, my estrogen is five points above the reference range. And then they start fucking around with the Rimidex, you know, and then they, they're they chasing this, this, un, this, you know, level that cannot be achieved. It's not real. And they use a, a estrogen to say, well, that's why I feel tired. That's why I couldn't get it up. That's why I'm not getting gains in the gym. And I think TRT clinics, they prescribe it just so that they, a lot of them, they don't have to deal with estrogen side effects. You know, a lot of them. Yeah. But you, you know, my thought on it. One, one thing that's super weird that I see, that's like the most common cookie cutter way to prescribe an anti-aromatizer. And it's almost a hundred percent chance that you get it. I've seen one, I've seen testosterone mixed with a Remedex. So every single time that you do your TRT, it, you do a shot of a Remedex with it or they give you one pill. So every time you do a shot of it, you take a Remedex with it, but yet the half-life doesn't even add up to making it like normal. Like it doesn't, like theoretically in half-life principle, it just doesn't make sense. Um, so that's one thing that I think is like really weird that they do. And it's like, Whoever theorized that, I mean, I get it in theory. You're, I guess you want the body to go through its natural cycles. That's why in TRT world, it's actually more stable to do seven, every seven days um, versus a natural body cycle is actually every 14 days because our body naturally loves cycles. It's kind of like growth hormone, for instance, right? IGF-1 levels, you'll see it peaking and valleying. Every hormone in the body peaks and valleys. And when we go to this super physiological controlling realm it's really against what our body wants so maybe that's the theory behind doing the arimidex once a week kind of thing but i think find it kind of weird because <laughs> what are you gonna do try to lower the arimidex like lower the estrogen but then the estrogen starts to raise up with the testosterone and as the testosterone is coming down it's it's a weird um half-life principle that kind of happens so i i uh actually do a lot of my like the compounds i take but but completely different than how uh, where the half-life is i think uh, in all honesty people put more emphasis on the half-life than 
is potentially necessary because I've still been able to go through without paying. Like you, you're aware of it. You understand it. You, you're like, okay, well, I did that. I tested that. Well, let me try it without considering that piece of it. And I'm still able to make progress. But then again, like we kind of do the like, right. We kind of do this thing a little bit more than maybe the average Joe person would do this. <laughs> but I, just, I thought that was interesting. You had mentioned, right. We're all kind of like have our own, uh, hormone cycles throughout the body. Uh, on a very macro level, I'd love to hear what you guys think. I've seen over the last 10 years a shift from the medical community, and it's just in the beginning, infancy stages, where they have people that they try to bring up to outreach, where over the last 10 years, we've seen a shift, at least I have, um, where they're trying to, people are trying to be way more above average and and there's emphasis on that where there was never a discussion about that 10 years ago what do you guess think have you seen the same thing yeah so one of the issues that we're currently facing and i think it's actually more of a societal issue one like people want to get their results faster or they want to feel better like it has to do with social media kind of thing but also the societal issue of males and females are supposed to be equivalents now. So men don't try to be as alpha. And I think it actually is literally affecting our hormones. I'm seeing kids with 300 test scores, like no joke, like 18 years old. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. And so I would put them on Clomid, right? I'm not going to put them on testosterone replacement therapy. They're 18 years old. And usually I can get them to like 500, 600 score if I'm lucky. Um, and then hopefully the diet and stuff like that takes over and it kind of brings them up a little bit, maybe some boron or something, take advantage of it. But um, yeah, so there is a societal issue with guys that are actually having just lower and lower testosterone. I think it's more of a societal issue that I'm, I'm kind of piecing together. It's a theory. Um, but yes, they are trying to push the limitations. I notice in most males, though, when I have blood work back and they are below a 500 score, their libido can be crushed, but every person is different. I know people that are like sex machines. Like they're like, I have to have sex like two to three times a day. And and they come back and they have like a 200 test score. I'm like, how are you functioning right now? (laughs) But but then you have other guys that are like a 400, 500 test score. And then they're like, dude, I cannot get erect right now. And I'm like, you know, so every person I think is different because it affects the mind differently, but it's also your mindset, I think. I don't know. Oh, no, we're not a thousand percent. We're not, did we're did not you like, just do a post on this? Me? I, I believe I did. Um, <laughs> I, I do. I, so I make videos so in advance, so sometimes I forget, but now it's coming back to me. But, yeah, I did. I mean, uh, there's no competition. Everyone gets a fucking participation trophy. So there's you got 10 kids. They all know they're getting a ribbon or a trophy, whatever it is, may be. So there's no, not one of those kids is like, yo, I'm going to beat fucking Billy. I'm kicking your ass. I want to be number one. And I think, you know, that, that drive, that competition, that's how, that's how humans are. You know, we've never laid around and been pussies. We always were trying to conquer something, do something. In my video, I was, I, I can't remember when I heard this, but someone's asking, like, how did these guys in prison get so jacked? on ramen noodles and bologna sandwiches. Granted, they've got a lot of time to, to work out, obviously, but they don't get protein supplements. I mean, I'm sure they could probably get gear in there, maybe. But um, And one of the theories was that they're in such a competitive, uh, you know, do or die situation. You always have to look over your back. You're always, and they, they theorize that that will actually raise their testosterone levels out of necessity. 
You know, their body's not worried about fucking social media and dyeing your hair and this and that and all this negative, all this stuff. Their body's like, yo, I need to be as strong and ready and, and prepared as possible because I'm fighting for my life. I thought that was an interesting theory. I'd see that as like the mental, the, the what, what, what do you want to call that? Like spiritual, like it doesn't, this is the most powerful tool that anybody is ever going to use. And this, and what, what, what story, I call them stories, right? Like, cause you tell yourself a story that's different than mine, which doesn't mean it's wrong or right. It's just a story you choose to tell yourself. But what people forget is that you can change the story you tell yourself about yourself or about life or what you're accomplishing. And there is data out there that shows how, when you change those things, you can affect your hormone levels. Right? So that would make sense that that's the case. Like as you go through and change things, just like there was a study done at Harvard where they did some, but they st- stood up straight and took like, I don't know, 20 minutes of deep breathing. And then they checked their testosterone levels and their testosterone levels were actually elevated just from things like that. You can change your blood pressure just by breathing and meditating. So, I mean, it's, it, there's no reason why, you know, being healthy or doing certain things or having positive mental focus or energy can do better things for your body. So you want to talk about meditation? So Wim Hof, before he was popular, I was doing Wim Hof's technique. Now he's like the big next thing, even though he was a, a big thing to me like almost like 10 years ago. So Wim Hof actually was injected with a virus and everyone was getting sick from the virus. It was in a clinical study. So he's like, I can prevent the virus. It was a, either a virus or a disease from spreading through my body. And his meditation technique literally stopped it. So he, they got omitted him from the trial because it did not spread. That's how much the mind can control things. It is, like you said, the most powerful tool, and you're kind of in charge of your own destiny. Not only that, but I like to refer to the societal and the environmental conditions that we are in as IQ. IQ is something we're born 50% with, right? The other 50% is environmental. Genome expressions can be expressed or not expressed based off of what we need and what we are going through. So that genes do change over time. And that's something that people forget. So like, you can't be like, I was born obese. No, you weren't. Maybe you were. Maybe you were not genetically blessed where you put on body fat a little bit more. Okay. But why don't you eat healthy for literally 10 years and see how obese you actually are going to be? I guarantee your body doesn't want to get fat after you've been eating clean for 10 years. So if you sent me to freaking like Nigeria or something and I had no food and barely any water, I guarantee you I would not be chubby. I guarantee you that. I don't have the best genetics for body fat, but. You throw me in the Sahara Desert with barely any food and just a little bit of rice here and there. Guarantee you, I'd trim up a little bit. What, what was it? What was the name of that person you had mentioned, Dave? It's called. His name's Wim Hof. They call him the Ice Man. I actually found out about him a while ago, um, and it was and then he was on a Joe Rogan podcast afterwards. It's W I M H O F, and he's called the Ice Man because after his wife passed away, he basically was like, "Whatever, like I had no reason to live." So he ended up walking out. I forgot where he lived, but he would walk outside in just the bare cold and like shorts. And I don't remember if it was sandals, but it was just something crazy. And it was crazy cold. And he, the first ice record that he broke was swimming underwater. So he, he tied the swimming underwater under the ice world record. And then he went back under. And I think he almost like doubled the distance. He almost died doing it that time though, because it was so cold. His 
eyes actually hit the retinas froze so he couldn't see and he somehow found his way up and came up so he broke that record and then he hiked everest in shorts just to prove that his meditation technique worked so essentially it has to do with like supercharging the lungs and it finds like a homeostasis within the body here's a dude right here on everest i think i don't know if you guys can see this or not but <laughs> that's crazy what what so what what is the what is kind of like the method? What so is it, the, he actually explains it on the um the episode, but essentially you essentially you supercharge your lungs and it's breathing in and then you do a little breath, a shallow breath out, and then you breathe back in and then a shallow breath out and then breathe in. And so you keep loading up the lungs and it causes basically a your adrenaline to kick off, but it's in a controlled state. It's actually very similar to most meditation techniques where it can trigger like adrenals to kick off, to find that homeostasis and that calm. If you can control your adrenaline, your, your epinephrine, your norepinephrine and stuff like that, where it's not just fight or flight constantly, it's like fight or flight, but in a controlled manner, that's a whole theory behind why this works so well. Um, and it sounds, I, I just it sounds a little bit like, but obviously physical um, in terms of uh, occlusion type training in terms of what you were just described as the breath, right? Cause you're, you're maybe taking in say 70% then you're letting out 25% and then you're taking in more, which puts you at 85% or 80%. Then you're doing another 20% and then getting back up to 87% like a little bit more. Is that, am I understanding that correctly? So I, uh, the technique, you actually hold your breath. So when you hit your peak capacity, you're essentially completely saturated the blood with like oxygen. And then you like are slowly letting it back out. Um, but you essentially like load your lungs completely full. And then once you're loaded completely where you can't intake any more oxygen, then you hold your breath. The first time I ever did it, I held my breath for like three minutes and I don't practice breathing. It's crazy. Someone told me that was insane. Like it's usually not like that, but it's around like a two minute hold the first time you ever do it, which is a long breath hold. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. I was at I was at CES one time, and there was a it was like a Fitbit company or something like that, but they had something that measured the oxygen in your blood, and they had some guy there in some pool, and he he I mean, he does this for a living or whatever, but uh, they had him underwater. I don't know how how long it was, but you see on screen that his oxygen level like barely went down at all. He's, he's able to hold his breath for a really long time, but. I don't, I don't know all the numbers and stuff, but it was interesting to see this guy. This guy was underwater for a minute. I mean, the company paid this dude to fly out to Vegas, built him a pool, and he was basically there just to hold his breath. So he's obviously good at it. But uh, it's just interesting how some people can do that. Like the uh, people that like pearl dive like off like Thailand and stuff, but they do it without tanks. They're underwater for like two, three minutes finding pearls and shit. Pretty wild what people can, can achieve. I, I'll do like um, medit I think meditation is very like I, I like it. I think it's very valuable. At least for myself, it's been very valuable. But it's it's shifted over the years in how I approach it. And do you guys meditate? Has this, have you had a similar experience where you might have done it one way when you were younger, and you've evolved in how you approach it, just like you do with training or drugs or anything like that? Yeah. So, so for me, like I've only done one half technique because it, it gives me a sense of, um, relaxation. The reason why I started doing it was actually when I was flying from Atlanta to Seattle, I was consulting and my CNS was on overdrive constantly. I had to do something to find a calm again. And supposedly this is the theory behind it is supposedly it fixes jet lag. 
And I can't do not. It would fix jet lag. As soon as I would meditate doing the technique, I would, I would adjust to the circadian rhythm outside. So when I go back home, going back home, it's a little bit harder because it was like a three hour gap and my body adjusted to West coast time, even though I was on East coast time 50% of the time. So, um, but I would have to meditate basically to keep my central nervous system kind of relaxed, but I've always kind of stuck with Wim Hof, but I have done, um, I think it's like four, one technique that I like to, I think it was four seconds in four second hold eight seconds out. That was a really good one. And I did do that. Um, more frequently than I do when Hoffs now because when Hoffs, you really have to be sitting there and focused because it's all, like that fight or flight is a thing that you actually do. Feel. So you said four seconds in, hold for four seconds, eight seconds out. Yes, interesting. I'll give that a try. I I've meditated. I've meditated before. Let's say that I haven't done it in a while. It's one of those things for me. I wake up and I just want to get other stuff going, and so you know I. It's 10 minutes and I know it's so super important, but it's just one of those things that I just, you know, I forget to do, I don't do, but I really need to do get that, get back into it because there, there's definitely something to it. No question. Hands down. Do, do you guys know Eckhart Tolle? Like no. the power of now. And he's all about being in, in the, in the present, in the present moment and, and being aware because when you're in, in, in the moment of where you exactly are, everything else kind of doesn't really matter because you're, you're, you're living in the present moment. So that's something that I've been practicing lately over the last like month. And I'll go through the process of, of to put myself in the state. And I, and this is not like his technique. This is just what I try to do to put myself in this moment. And you might be thinking about all sorts of things. Like I'm constantly doing different types of stuff in business and fitness and talking to different people and shit. So my mind's always going and I will sit there and either I will journal about it or just try to recognize either whether it's sound, maybe I'll start with sound and then I'll look, recognize, I just look at something. Oh, I recognize the wall here and okay, what does the wall look like and describe the wall mentally to myself or on paper. Um, that for myself, Super peaceful, very, very different, different, not from a physiological standpoint, 100%. But for, because I've done the four seconds in, four seconds, I've done that before. Also, super great. Like, uh, there's many different forms of many of them are fucking awesome. But that one for myself over the last, say, 30 days or so, I've been practicing it. For me, it's been very helpful. I, I like it. Yeah. So, um, interestingly enough, that is very. <laughs> That's something very similar to what I had to do because when I was on that central nervous system fatigue 24 seven, going out to Atlanta and Seattle and stuff like that, um, I would have to live in the moment, right? Because my body was so overstressed at all times. I knew if I didn't put one foot in front of the other and I just focus on literally what the next task was, my body would immediately shut down. Like no joke. It was like one time I was bedridden for three days because I decided to do a heavy squat day. I didn't listen to my body, but I would have to segment my life. Like I'm at work do this job, then do this job, then do this job. And I follow an Excel sheet to make sure that I got it done. I'm ADHD. So it, so it worked. Then the next piece would be, I went over to, um, the gym. And then when I was at the gym, I was like, I would take about 15 minutes when I was getting ready, consolidate my thoughts, omit all those thoughts 
And then I'd go to the gym. And when I was at the gym, I was at the gym. I'd look at my phone. I would flip the music and that was it. That's all that I looked at my phone for. When I got home, I would have my meal and I'd be like, okay, I'm getting ready for bed. So I had to literally segment every single piece of my life or else my body would just go into overload. And even right now, I've been working like 70, 80 hour weeks lately. And I actually hit like an overwhelming point uh, three days ago where I had, I had to stop working like halfway through the day. And I just like, was just like, I'm out. And I had to remember like, Take care of myself first and one foot in front of the other. Don't overthink. Don't look at the future. Be present. So I love that technique that you just brought up. And it's very, very easy to do. Well, it's not easy for people to do, but it's easy to remember to do that. Instead of people have a very hard time finding that peace of mind where they're just, they space. I can meditate and I can space literally like looking at anything. And I can be like, my happy place is like under an apple tree for whatever reason. It's like in the universe under an apple tree. Yeah. And I think it's because of Albert Einstein or not Albert Einstein. Um, the, the oh, what was that? Sir Isaac Newton. Sir yeah, Sir Isaac Newton. Yep. So, and I think that's the reason why it's kind of like ingrained in me since I was a kid, but that's like my happy place is, um, whatever first time I, t- I did meditation, I went there every single time I meditate, it brings me back to the same place. It stars. And then eventually the tree comes. So that's, that's, cool. that's super interesting. I've got a couple of those places where I'm, cause I've been meditating off and on when, when I feel appropriate or needed or where it would be beneficial for uh, over a decade at this point. And for me, I have this, like, this is the one I use when I'm sleeping. And for whatever reason, it brought, I thought of it when you were talking about that. It's a, I don't I have no idea where it's located, but it's greens uh, with a cliff edge. There's a, there's a winding road. There's no like, there's no stripes on the road or anything like that. And there's like mountains up in the background. And it's, and it's almost like there's a car, but there's no actual car on the road or anything. It's just, I'm kind of there in that space. And that's what I've been using for sleep, uh, for, uh, for coil. So you guys have, you guys have like specific like images and scenes that you, in your brain when you meditate, cause I'm, when I meditate, I usually do it in a dark room. I'll do it in my uh, my man room, and I just sit in the chair, and I just sit up, and I just – what I do is I focus on my breathing. I focus on the feeling in my chest because my brain fucking races. You know, I close my eyes. I'm sitting there like this. I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about my YouTube. I'm thinking about TikTok. And for me to turn off my brain, I have to, I have to focus on the feeling of the air in my chest. But visually – you know how you close your eyes and you kind of rub your eyes like this. You see the different patterns and crazy, like you're like you're tripping on psychedelics. I focus on that, and that's just kind of like completely zones me out. Or you know, it helps. But that's interesting that you guys have like specific like happy places, and I'm just fucking floating in space and shit. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting that you say that because I'm ADHD. I'm very ADHD, and I. As long as I am focusing on doing something, whether it's meditation, I can just do it. Like most people can't meditate with their eyes open. I can literally sit here and start meditating and it doesn't take me long to get into a meditative state, but it, that almost has to do with being able to hone into your heart and hone into your energy. As you become more energy sensitive, as you become more in tune with your spiritual side, you can just snap like this and you're just like, boosh, peace. And it's just like, you can be in a stressful moment in time. You can be getting yelled at and all of a sudden you can be like, and just relax. I'll talk to you later. I'll do that with uh, the first stage. A lot of times when I'm doing the awareness, it'll be what's the first thing I become aware of. And a lot of times just because probably of previous talks about meditation, I've always bring up breath. So a lot of times my first thought of breathing is my awareness. And then I'll be like, okay, well, what do I observe about my breath? 
Well, my chest is moving up and down. <clears throat> my stomach has gone in and out. Oh, I just, I just noticed the sensation in my right toe. And it's, it's literally that detail. Okay, I noticed, oh, those muscles, I'm relaxing those muscles in my foot. Oh, okay, now I notice it in my calf. And it's like, uh, it worked throughout my body of like what I'm doing. Okay, I just noticed there's something in my neck that I'm feeling in terms of, okay, I'm breathing again. And it's that where I can put myself into that state and be um, just, I'm not, my mind's racing about other shit and it allows me to like let go of that self and be peaceful. And there, do you guys notice a prolonged or like a, uh, benefit because I'll feel the benefit after like it goes away depending on where I am here right but that benefit I will generally notice for a period of minutes or hours or sometimes maybe days afterwards where it's like I'm in a good spot yeah yeah I definitely noticed that and you know I just one thing I was I, I saw an Instagram post on excuses or some guy I think it was TikTok and you know you guys are meditating but for me I'm saying I'm too busy to meditate but that's bullshit I'm not too busy to meditate I know that I spent at least 10 minutes on TikTok. I know I spent 10 minutes on Instagram, you know, and that should, it's an excuse and it's an excuse on my end, but I think people do use excuses to not hit their goals and they're easy to give yourself kind of goes in. You guys know who Wes Watson is. I don't want to go long, but Wes Watson was a guy that went to prison. Now he's like a motivational coach, but he screams and curses at you. But he's, he's like, he'll say shit like, stop fucking lying to yourself. Be the man that you want to be. Stop feeding yourself excuses. Get away from people that are feeding you lies, telling you it's all good to be an alcoholic, to be a drug addict. And he's just basically like, it's basically just take control of your life. You know, you're in control. Stop being a bitch is basically what he's saying. But that's just not that was interesting. Maybe um, we can dive in because we're about to wrap everything up here. So I appreciate both of you guys sharing your experiences and your time. Uh, next time, uh, and everybody who's listening or watching, uh, thank you for taking your time. If you guys have questions, leave them down below and whatnot. Uh, next time, I would love if we could talk about either goals and or uh, pre-workouts. I think the the stacking when it comes to compounds can also be applied to pre-workout at, at a finer detail, nuanced realm of things. And I think that would be an interesting topic for a lot of people to learn about because it's not something most fitness or anybody is really talking about in my opinion so appreciate you guys any last words you guys want to touch on before we uh head out here i want to talk about lists and anxiety next time lists to be productive and ways to get rid of anxiety which i need to do better of oh i don't even know i've just been really curious speaking of adhd I want to know why you have a bat behind you at all times. That's <laughs> let's touch on that next time. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a big ass bat too. It's real and it's heavy. <laughs> all right, awesome. guys. I appreciate you guys. <laughs> Talk to you guys soon.